Welcome to the Activation Podcast, brought to you by the Conscious Resistance Network. I'm your host, Derek Bros. In every episode of this podcast, we're going to explore solutions in the areas of health, permaculture, growing your own food, technology. We'll be interviewing guests who are providing important solutions that are more important than ever in this time we are living in. The Activation Podcast is focused on bringing you cutting-edge solutions to empower humanity. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Activation Podcast. This is a special 9-11 episode. We haven't done one of these yet, and I wanted to bring my friend Jason Burmis on the show because for those who don't know, you're going to learn a whole lot about Jason and his work around 9-11. We're going to talk about that. We'll get into some of the different theories that maybe for those of you who've only joined the uh, movement, so to speak, the last couple of years, maybe you've never heard of, we'll get Jason's opinion on that. And then we're also going to broaden the conversation in the second half and talk about where we're at now. You know, 9-11 was the national security state bringing on the war against terrorism. And now even more, we're moving into the biosecurity state. So we're going to talk about all that and more today. But uh, how are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well, man. Well, I appreciate you joining me today. Um, let's go ahead. And let's just let's just dive in, man. I wanted to give my audience uh, a chance and maybe even just for yourself a chance to kind of look back on 9-11 and like I said a moment ago, reflect on the, all the work that you've done and, and where you, maybe if your views have changed at all or shifted. Uh, but let's start with where were you on 9-11? I was, I was a junior in high school. I know you're a couple of years older than me, but were you in New York City? I mean, I, you're not from New York City, but were you in New York State when, New York, when 9-11 happened? Yeah, I was in New York State. I was in Oneonta, New York. Um, I was in this college town where a lot of the kids uh, were from Long Island, were from the city. And uh, I was 22 at the time. And like the really interesting thing about all of it was that I kind of slept through the beginning of it. And my roommate, I had two roommates, both Long Islanders. And my roommate comes in the next morning. So I worked these late nights at a pizza place to like four in the morning serving drunk kids. And even though it was like a Tuesday, it was still, you know, one of those things. And he wakes me up and he tells me the Twin Towers are gone. The World Trade Center's gone. I'm like, what are you talking about, World Trade? Like, didn't even really compute with me. So the first things that really I saw uh, when I woke up that day were videotapes of them coming down. And I'm looking at them. And the first I, the first thing I'm thinking is that that looks like it was blown up, right? They're telling me planes had gone into towers, but those videos weren't really widely available yet because you're within hours of the whole thing. And it just seemed really bizarre. And I just, it was it was shocking. You know, uh, so I, I get up and I get, get ready to do my thing. And then I walk out the door. And the first thing somebody says to me, uh, my neighbor, Jeremy, again, another Long Island guy, you know, fucking bin Laden. And I go, I looked at him and I'm like, yo, I, I literally I, you know, I had a watch at the time. I think it was like maybe like not even noon yet, you know, not not even noon. And I looked at him, I go, how do you know that that guy did this? And he's like, fucking Muslims. And I, I thought to myself, I looked at him and I said, yeah, but wasn't like a, a crazy white guy that did Oklahoma City? You know, so right out of the gates, things were weird, right? I remember that first couple hours. Uh, one of my best friends who I went to high school with, who went to college with me at the same place, had a seizure in the middle of his class that I, I was finding out at the same time uh, as the attacks were happening, basically before they started canceling school because all these kids couldn't get a hold of their parents. Uh, cell towers were out. A lot of their family worked in lower Manhattan. You know, it was a lot of panic. And I, I guess, although I had those questions initially, as the media took over and every single network was news, right? They shut down everything. A lot of people forget that, you know, it wasn't, there was no real MTV or, you know, even there's no sports going on in the country. So ESPN, all of it, you know, it was just news 24 seven. And I got kind of, uh, you know, addicted to that and to that narrative. And even when that stopped, I started watching the 24 hour news channels and there were things here and there that would catch my eye. Um, but I would often dismiss because I started buying into this, you know, Muslim narrative. Uh, but from the mainstream media, you're hearing all this stuff about Saudi Arabia, bin Laden, Afghanistan. And as the propaganda for Iraq starts to sneak in pretty early on, that's that's when real questions started going in my mind, but still not really there yet. And, you know, eventually what would bring me to uh, look at this is when I was in my old high school, which was like an hour away, upstate New York, farmland. 
but you got to remember, we also had the anthrax attacks in, you know, in and around. There was a lot going on. So when I pissed on bin Laden's face in my old high school, and it was like a middle school slash high school, and it said Operation, Operation Enduring Freedom. And that's when I kind of snapped out of it for a second. I said, you know what? My country's pretty dirty. I, I'm pretty sure they killed my president, uh, with, you know, with Kennedy. I'm like, I know they ran drugs. Uh, so I better look into this thing. And I, I went to a website called uh, www.911timeline.net because all I really wanted I, at the time, you know, Internet's pretty raw. A lot of things don't exist. There is no YouTube like I'm, I'm a I'm a pirate in the sense that even before there were torrent networks, torrents really started up like 2004. There were these peer to peer networks like Nutella, Nutella, uh, Morpheus, Kazaa, uh, eventually LimeWire, etc. I would use those. But there, there wasn't much out there. So all I wanted was just find someone who would put together a comprehensive timeline of that day. See if there was anything shady that day. And I find timeline.net, uh, 911timeline.net. And it's just 40 pages. It has a little bit of a preface, ask some questions. And that was it, man. That started me down my journey. And it, it, it got pretty dark. So around what time, what, what year was that that you, you started, you would say that you started questioning? I know you cover some of this in the documentary Invisible Empire, which by the way, man, that was definitely like one of the first few when I was waking up in 2009 that I came across hearing your story. I'm just like, holy shit. Oh my God, this guy knows what's going on. But what time was that when you were starting to look up the timeline and stuff? You know, probably within the first year. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, it was probably, you know, within that first year, uh, maybe a little bit after the first year anniversary, because I also do remember, I mean, so long ago now we're on the 21st anniversary, right. Coming up. I, I, I remember specifically on the one year anniversary that another thing that kind of sparked in my brain. And I questioned was they showed the Naw day brothers documentary, not just the footage of the plane, but all this footage down in the lobby where the, you know, I'd been in the World Trade Center, you know, <laughs> several times and I'd been in that lobby and it looked like the lobby was blown up, but there was no fire or anything. I was like, what, man, how the hell, you know, did those pieces of marble and glass get blown out on the lowest level? I mean, the World Trade Center is up there. You know, it, a lot of it wasn't making sense. Right. But again. Even at that time, you're thinking, well, maybe they had some bombs planted, you know, still Muslim terrorists, Muslim terrorists. But that, that got me thinking as well. But right in that range, man, when they were talking about going into Iraq, that was pretty much it for me. And, and once I, I literally peed on bin Laden's face and I started seeing that there were these intelligence connections between the Bush family and the bin Ladens going back to like the 50s and start looking at the military industrial complex. And, you know, eventually when I would get past 9-11, because 9-11 still is such an important issue. But what people have to understand is it was the military industrial complex's next st step with psychological warfare and Mockingbird and the media and even the biomedical state. Right. For them to start taking over under this guise of terrorism. And now terrorism is morphed into domestic terrorism, which is morphed into MAGA which whether love them or hate them, they're not domestic terrorists. In fact, I would argue that the chance of you being a domestic terrorist, a true domestic terrorist in the United States is like 0.000001%. Like, I, I mean, criminal, you could be a, a nasty criminal, but they've expanded the language so much since this event, right? And Invisible Empire was kind of my thing where I said, look, th these organizations exist. They, they have this mindset. It's a cartel mindset, just like the mafia, where you can do all sorts of bad things. But as long as you don't expose the mob and the mob keeps going on, it'll it'll be limited to what, what your consequences are. You cross the line too bad. You're the guy in the scandal. You're the guy that gets blown up on a plane. You're the guy like Barry Seal who gets shot. Right. But you're, you're Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, you're Epstein. Uh, uh, but the vast majority of these people. Uh, you know, never get to that point, right? They they literally just keep going along. And those are mid-level people. So Invisible Empire for me was that thing where, look, there's been this philosophy, this mindset. It's based in social Darwinism. Um, you know, we, we have its terminology, quote unquote, new world order as far back as uh, Samuel Zane Batten's book. And it's about collectivism and everything being good for the state. And that is totalitarianism, no matter what guys you put it under. 
And, and so, you know, I, I go through and I, I kind of show all these things. And right now I would argue, uh, Derek, unfortunately, a lot of the things in that film are kind of mainline. There's still some things out there that maybe aren't as mainline, but I, I would say pretty mainline. And they've come to fruition. We live in a track trace database society. They want to move it from the Internet of Things, which is already in full force in this country and mostly globally into the Internet of Bodies and the next step uh, in their plan, which is transhumanism. Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about some of your documentaries. So in what order did you release them? Well, you know, you started talking about Invisible Empire for those who aren't aware. Obviously, Jason played a role in Loose Change. Maybe you could elaborate on that. But there's also, I think, the, you know, seriously under um, appreciated documentary Fabled Enemies, which does an important part of that history as well. So what you know, how did you first start getting into, OK, I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to make documentaries about 9-11, about these topics. Praying to God. <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but it's the truth. Um, and I'm not a religious person by any means, but what do I mean by that, right? Well, I already told the audience how I was kind of this uh, pirate and I was kind of an info junkie. So what I would do is I would download everything I could, everything I could uh, about 9-11, about surrounding events. I want to be informed. Like even before, you know, torrenting and even the file share networks had had a good amount of video evidence one of the things that i was doing even pre 9 11 is for instance i downloaded the mj12 documents and i downloaded the mk ultra documents and i would read all the raw stuff that i could because i wanted to see really how corrupt um, the world was right i was a young man i was you know in my late teens early 20s i suddenly had access to this where i didn't have to go to a library where it wasn't on filter or i didn't have to go to the national archives revolutionary time in history and uh, it, it that drew me in more than most anything else okay and especially after 9 11 when the cards were really on the table i was doing that so i had a, a large archive of information especially regarding 9 11 and one of you know, I came across Alex Jones's 9-11 Road to Tyranny on like a real player file that was compressed. It barely you could barely see it, barely hear it, it was out of sync, it was awful. But I watched that and I said, you know, I'm gonna prove this crazy redneck wrong. And he's talking about the new world order and the global elite and all this stuff, and I just couldn't believe it. And so one by one, I try to strike these things down, and often I'd find, well, maybe he didn't articulate it in, in the right way. Or maybe it felt a little over the top, but it's actually worse. And there's actually more evidence out there than I could have imagined. So I grab all this stuff. I have I have just hard drives full of stuff. And eventually I see Loose Change, the original cut, which is a 60-minute cut. It starts with the controversial um, fuselage uh, and attachment under the plane and whether or not there's flashes at the World Trade Center. And I watched this thing and that, that incident alone, I already had, I had two other videos that were not in the little square that they referenced. And I was like, you know what, that's valid evidence. And I've talked about this and I'm like, somebody's putting this in. And then I was a little weary on the Pentagon stuff, just like a lot of people were later on. But at the same time, I thought they did an amazing job. And I, I immediately recognized that that film could change the world. And I remember exactly where I was at the time. I think I was 22 or three, probably 23 years old, maybe 20, almost 24, actually. So 23 to 24. And I had been talking to people. I'd been handing out burned CDs, not even DVDs of raw footage with some of the stuff in this movie on it. But I had way more stuff. And I just kind of, you know, prayed to God <laughs> again. And I'm not a big praying guy. And I said, because I because I went to their website and they said they were out of D.C. And I at, at this time I was in upstate New York, but I was at like I said, I was in like a room off my parents house because I would just uh, lost my job. I, I didn't have anywhere else to go. And so I remember it was yeah, it was that summer it had to be the summer like 2004 into 2005. And anyway, so basically what happens is after that. I, I uh, just go along my business. I get my first desk job. Like, yeah, I like things start going my way again. Okay. And I'm going in and out of Oneana again. And it just so happens. So I, I have my desk job, but I'm doing pizza at night. 
And one of my delivery guys, uh, I'm handing out discs and he goes, hey, I know the guys that did lose change. I went to high school with them. Um, you know, actually, one of them is my good buddy. Do you want me to bring him down here? And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. And, I, you know, I'm like, it's kind of just blows me away. So he brings Corey down. I talked to Corey for about an hour. And Corey listens to me for about an hour. And then he goes and he gets the script for the second edition. He says, I want you to go through this. Dylan's going to be back in a few days. You're going to meet him. Um, tell me what you think is good and what's not. And so I'm just blown away because on the bus uh, to my job the next day, which I'm doing graphic design. And it's like I said, my first desk job, I just turned 24. I'm so happy. It's a great moment in history for the Burmese Brigade. And anyway, I'm, I'm going through this thing and I'm just giddy. And I'm like, well, we could do this or we could put this in there. And then, you know, Dylan, I think a couple of days later, they come over to my house. They're skeptical. I find I, I gotten, you know, I got this job. I was out of my parents' house. I was back in Oneonta. And he starts looking at like the footage I have of demolition squibs of people talking about explosions of, you know, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, a lot of stuff that hadn't been out there. And he's, he's kind of blown away. And immediately we, we got into a click and eventually I quit my day job, you know, and we went full time and, you know, the second edition took over the world. You know, that's, that's a long story in its own, but I had a lot more footage. Right. And I also felt like, even though they were burned out on 9-11 after doing the final cut together, which I think is the best cut of the film. Uh, and I encourage people, you can check out all these documentary films on uh, any of my social media, Rockfin, YouTube. It's in the playlist section. It's right at the top. And they were burned out. But I was like, you know, there's a whole other story to be told about 9-11 where we don't have to talk about any of the physical anomalies because often you get into debates, right? And as we've seen with COVID-1984, that's not the scientific consensus, right? And it didn't matter how much evidence you would put out there, debunked, just like fact check today. So they always want to bring those things up, but they wouldn't want to bring up the backstory of the Israeli, the Pakistani, the Saudi Arabian involvement, the FBI cover up, the cover up within um, the 9 11 Commission, the war games, all things that were on the record. And I said, you know, there's a whole story here. Let's do that. And I start writing a script and Alex Jones had produced um, Loose Change Final Cut. And he said, you know, this is good. Let, let's make this movie. And props to Alex Jones for that. You know, love him or hate him. He did that for me. And we did this film <clears throat> where I went down there and that's where I uh, started basically uh, standing in for Alex. And it would eventually lead me to have my, you know, the first other show on InfoWars, the Info Warrior lead me into doing kind of what I am today. I have a lot to, a lot, lot to pay credit to Jones for. And we make this movie. And I mean, we had Joe Biden in it before he was even the vice president talking about um, basically meeting with one of the money men on 9-11, uh, the head of the Pakistani ISI. Uh, we have him on there twice. You know, we, we, we had Bob Graham in there. We had Bo Deedle in there. Uh, we had Barry, we broke the Barry Jennings bombshells in there before anybody else uh, on World Trade Center Building 7. So it was just, I, I still think that's one of my best films. In fact, Ken Jenkins, props to him. He's holding an event on the 12th, I believe, and he's going to be playing Fabled Enemies. And I thank him so much for that because I think it is an important and seminal film. It's something you could show someone before a loose change and have them go, oh my goodness, I, I had no idea. Wait, you're telling me it wasn't just Muslims in caves? directed by bin Laden and the boogeyman of Al-Qaeda. And, and you look at that evidence and it's plentiful. It's, it's over the top. And we failed because we had momentum at one point, but kind of like, you know, Trump in many ways got all these people believing in imagination land superheroes and anons behind the scene and people that were going to take on the deep state. People genuinely believed on the left that it was just the Bush administration and uh, the Barack star was going to save the world. Right. And that's not, that's just not how the world works. So to me, man, those movies are important and I've made other ones. Obviously invisible empire was my, my swan song to globalism and this new world order idea. Isn't some like Christian conspiracy theory. It's the real deal. They're really doing it. And then when I made shade, which is possibly my most well-produced picture, 
Um, you don't have to hear me babble through the whole thing. You know, we did, a, I think, a really good job of taking other voices. Then you don't have to agree with everybody <laughs> and everything they've ever said, but compiling it into, look, these are some of the players. This is how the Bilderberg group works. They like bioengineering and geoengineering and weather warfare. And these guys are actually planning to become the Uber mention. We should do something about it. And I, I put that out in 2013. That 10th anniversary is right around the corner, believe it or not, on Shade the Motion Picture. Um, so, dude, I'm I'm just trying to. I remember when Shade came out. Yeah, it's a long time ago, right? It feels it feels like that because we're old men. But I, you're young. you're still young. You still got a few years left. <laughs> well, you, you get older, and it's just like, damn, man. And right let now, me let me hit a couple points here. Yeah, no, I definitely I feel you, man. I, I feel like it's for me, it's like coming full circle because, well, I think it's really cool. First of all, I took a couple notes just to hear the synchronicity that kind of took place to lead you to loose change and everything else. Right. I really think those moments are pretty insane you know, where you can just see this one moment set you off on a whole nother path. Right. Um, so I, I think that's that's great. And also, I, I bet there are people who are listening right now for one who've never heard of real player i can't believe that, that made me laugh uh the real player but also people who've never heard of loose change uh somehow and have maybe never seen fabled enemies but i do highly recommend every one of the films that was just named shade invisible empires uh fabled enemies and loose change final cut i think the second edition is great as well um i wanted to dig into that a little bit more though because we look when loose change went viral as one of the first real viral films on the internet. Um, you, you know, you're on big, you're getting invited to shows, you're getting on invited to debate scientific American, you know, that whole fiasco for those who haven't seen those clips. Popular but could you share a little bit yeah. about that? Like, what was that like for you? Because you, yeah, popular mechanics, you were still, you were still relatively a young, you know, a young dude. And you're now on the you're going from like, Hey, I know these things are true. I'm passing out CDs to making a documentary to then, doc, uh, you know, debating on TV, uh, you know, these big, these, you know, these scientists and people who basically are dismissing you and your whole work as conspiracy theories. Could you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah, man, I was in it to win it. I wasn't there to lose. Like I'm still not here to lose. I'm not a loser. Right. And for me, I got hit. So I got gut punched by this whole thing. I didn't like it. People often say, oh, these people want it to be true or love believing conspiracies. I I lost sleep for a very long time as I went along this journey in the very beginning, as things got darker and darker. You know why I did? It was because I realized, hey, I'm just a poor asshole. I'm a target like everybody else. And I realized very quickly, although they may uh, you know, exploit certain groups, at the core of those certain groups is that they don't have any real monetary power, right? They, they can exploit um, certain, you know, groups racially or even by gender or really regionally. And it doesn't matter. And we've seen that throughout history. But, but the key thing they always have in common is they don't have a lot of monetary power. They don't have any real wealth. They have no investment in the infrastructure. And that's me. And I'm just like, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I'm in a grinder here, man. And then on top of it, they're using this to go kill people on a mass level who have way less than me. And I'm just, I'm blown away by it. Really, I, I you know, I, I grew up loving this country. Like you wouldn't believe. Like I, you know, Hulkamania is running wild. Everybody loves Rocky. America, America, America. Fuck Russia. All that, all that stuff, I, I bought right into it. In fact, one of my running jokes uh, from my late teens to my 20s when I was in college is this isn't Russia. And I remember running around Woodstock 99 as I turned from 19 and 20, just spouting that nonsense like USA, USA, USA. And it was crushing, crushing for me to even think that my government in some way would have a hand in it. it was dark, man. It was really dark. But at the same time, I'm a pretty happy guy, right? Uh, I, I, I'm a big believer in you create your own reality and that human beings have great power. And even from a, a very small age, there were people telling me I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And they'd laugh in my face and I'd love to prove them wrong. I'd love to prove, especially when I felt I was right and I could prove them wrong. 
and you win some and you lose some. So when you're going up against these people, um, I, I felt like, and I still feel like it's my duty. I have to do this. These people, uh, you know, we've, we've changed the conversation in a lot of ways. And now you can have conversations about things that are uh, much more in depth than you could 20 years ago. But at the same time, it's always berated with this flavor of left or right or, or painted as we're going to have some kind of savior. And I kind of recognized early on during this, during, you know, what my generation was that we didn't have a Martin Luther King Jr. or a Malcolm X uh, or any real kind of voice for the generation, the next generation of civil liberties that everybody was listening to. And you could argue, well, those voices only became uh, so exceptional because they were assassinated. But at the same time, the faux voices that were being put in place uh, like Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton uh, were laughable. Right. And, and I just thought to myself, you know, not like I'm going to be the voice of a generation, but God damn it, man, we need people to step up. I need somebody who's more articulate with more resources and charismatic with a better message to come out there. And until then, you still got to speak truth. And, you know, kind of along this journey, I've always, you know, I've always been an advocate of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, but we clearly, clearly live in inside of the quote unquote new world order at this point. We've lived under a security state for a very long time with the expansion of continuity of government and black programs. And now the um, mobilization, really, of our infrastructure against the people very visually. I mean, it, it's no accident they they chose those colors for uh, Zombie J the other day. Got him nice and hopped up on amphetamines. And then he was able to give his 15 minute speech. And boy, you know, they, they revved it up because they want to spark the what they call the peasant class to fight amongst themselves they'd rather let us do the dirty work and then come in with the excuse of big government and military force against the bad guys right we're all the bad guys folks i just want to let you know doesn't matter how you vote we're all the bad guys we're all a threat that's the only reason and i just it blows my mind but we're here man i don't know what else, i don't really know what else to say about it because at, at the end of the day Right now, my work is not only kind of geared towards people waking up to this very fact, but to stay human. Like, like it's going to be, I think it's going to be extremely hard. And people don't realize this in the next 10 years, if you're still around, all right, depending on what they want to release and what narrative they want to control, to stay human. And that is frightening to me because that wasn't something I was kind of prepared for. I thought that they would wait down the line. Maybe you'd see that in 2050, 2060, that agenda. But after the COVID-1984 thing hit and people literally started injecting themselves with bio nanotech, mRNA technology, which argu arguably is step one in transhumanism, right? Step one, I'm like, and then what they were talking about after with human brain interfaces, it's here. So good luck out there. I'm I'm rooting for you. Yeah. To we got to stay human. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, we're going to get into that in just a moment because I think you're right. That's the next big agenda. And I feel like you have been doing some uh, good job reporting on some angles of that agenda that I haven't heard too many places. So I do want to get into that. I have two more questions for you on 9-11. You mentioned a moment ago, or you kind of hinted at it. Um, you know, I started going to New York for 9-11 on the 10th anniversary and the ninth year I went to D.C. to go to the checkout, uh, you know, the Pentagon and all that good stuff. Um, but from 2010 to 2011 till probably 2017 or 18, I was in New York City, you know, hanging out there with all the activists, doing the activism, doing the 9-11 truth thing. And I definitely saw the tail end of when there were thousands of people marching through the streets of New York chanting 9-11 truth now and just that feeling of it. But Obviously, as you said, we had like a really big peak moment, you know, to the point where people like yourselves are debating scientists on TV and, and having these discussions to Fox News and other media really attacking. Again, if you weren't there, you might not realize how much the attack like was on 9-11 truthers from all directions to the point that it no longer became an acceptable thing to discuss. Um, and the movement clearly has maybe it's grown that people question these things. It's kind of even accepted. Uh, but what are, if you could, you know, anything that comes to mind or just in your experience, 
What do you think were some of the failures or the limitations of the 9-11 truth movement? Because I think it's kind of sad to think that we're coming up to 21 years, right? 21 years. And I guarantee you the people who were questioning things in the days after JFK's assassination, when the 20 year anniversary came, they were probably like, ah, they're getting away with it. I can't believe this is happening. And, you know, now it's 60 years since that happened. It's 20 years since 9-11. It's two years since COVID. Um, do you think we've learned any lessons in these movements, these search for truth movements? I don't know, man, because I, it's it's tough for me to say that we've had any real prosecutions, right? Like I, you've had limited hangout. I, the closest I think we got in this country to, to really get into the network was Iran-Contra. But then you look at who they almost made a figurehead out of, even though he didn't do any real time, Oliver North, and then he's writing books and he's on talk radio, right? Scooter Libby gets burned in the Enron scandal. And yeah, it's a scandal, but comparatively to drug running, human trafficking, arms dealing, genocide, false flags in the United States, it's laughable, right? It's not even, it's a joke. And again, it's 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 that joke towards hopium where people in the beginning of the Mueller investigation, Mueller's really on Team Anon and White Hat, and he's going to bring them all down. He's working for Trump. I'm like, they literally installed Mueller right before 9-11 for him to manage the FBI agents that were blowing the whistle on how the money worked and how these people were training at U.S. bases and living with FBI informants. What planet are you on? I'm like, he's Bill Barr's best buddy who they helped manage the BCCI scandal, which was involved with the Iran-Contra scandal. What are you talking about? And, and by the way, Mueller was just a figurehead there. He was there to sign off on what he was told to sign off on and to not sign off on others. That was very apparent during the hearings. You know, they put him in there with this idea that he'd been, you know, he's a red guy. He's a Republican. Like, it's it's not reality. So I, I think the thing to learn is, you know, you get the information out. Can you get the prosecutions? Don't get hopeful. Like even now when I hear a lot of these people are going to pay for this COVID thing and the mismanagement, I'm like, no, they're not. Who's going to, no one's going to jail. I, I wish that were the case. But again, Trump, who ran on, I love the WikiLeaks, can't get enough of the WikiLeaks. He fails in, in basically, he should have just pardoned Assange. He should have demanded that he be let go from Belmarsh, everything done. And he didn't do that. And guess what? Now it's biting him in the ass because the same espionage act they're going after him with. It's kind of ironic. And, and believe me, that's not, um, you know, that's not some conspiracy that Trump was in on. He's got his limitations. He's got his ego. He's part of the table as well. He's got his, uh, you know, his compromises. Believe that. And for in, and by the way, his his extended family is on board with transhumanism as well. I'm not sure you've seen it, but I, I'm going to highlight it today. Jared Kushner, the Kush Kush, just recently said that he believes his generation will live forever. It'll be the first one to live forever. They're transhumanists as well, bro. Hold that thought. Hey, guys, this is Derek Bros with the Activation Podcast. And I want to tell you about a new project that I recently launched. It's called the Holistic Self-Assessment Online Course. And it's based on my 2018 book, The Holistic Self-Assessment. Now, some of you guys know that I released this book based off my experiences in prison. This is essentially the culmination of the process I took myself through while I was locked up behind bars, when I began meditating, when I began journaling, and really starting to heal my trauma and begin to align my thoughts, my words, my actions, and really live in line with my true purpose. So this book is meant to be a self-empowerment, self-help guide that helps you align your thoughts, words, and actions, your relationships, your habits, and make sure you are living in line with your goals and your principles. So I developed this nine-week course with the University of Reason, aka Autonomy. We put this course together for people like yourself to take it and walk through it chapter by chapter. I read the book with you. I give you tips and exercises. And there's actually two options. If you want to just do the DIY version, you can choose to work through the course yourself. If you'd like to pay a little bit of extra money, you can go ahead and get one-on-one -on -one sessions with myself where I will counsel you and work through the book with you and answer any questions you have. So I really want to encourage you guys to check this out. The link will be in the description below where you are listening or watching. And I'll put the link to the Holistic Self-Assessment book as well, which you can download for free. And I want you to stay tuned because we're getting ready to release the Holistic Self-Assessment audiobook. 
the Spanish version of the book. So stay tuned, guys. Now let's get back to the podcast. And, you know, it's interesting that a Kushner says something like that while you're seeing like, you know, the 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 Musk, which I, we're going to get into Musk because thank God, Jason, you're one of the only other people I see. Not the only, but definitely one of the louder voices who have not fallen for that charade. So I definitely want to get into that because, uh, you know, Musk is talking about population decline, which I think is an issue. Meanwhile, somebody like Jared Kushner is like, we're going to live forever. So there's some interesting things going on. Last 9-11 question here. This is a set of questions. All right, let's consider this our lightning round, if you will. Be so uh, so not kind to obligate, <laughs> to, to oblige me here. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to name a few different things, and you just say the first thing that comes to mind. True, false, limited hangout, shill, whatever comes to mind, okay? Okay. All right. Twin Towers. World Trade Center. Building 7. Clear demolition. All right, the Pentagon. Controversial. <laughs> Shanksville. Mysterious. Okay. Judy Wood. Crazy. <laughs> um, nuclear bombs in the towers. Who knows? All right, and one last one. No planes. TV fakery. Absurd disinfo. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Cool. All right, man. I appreciate you playing that little game with me. I think that, you know, there's so much for 9-11. We're here on the 21st anniversary. We could keep going. The reason I wanted to have this conversation with Jason and, and bring this to you guys is because if you haven't fully grasped how important 9-11 is, or you were one years old when it happened, or five or six or whatever, like many, you know, those of you who are now questioning the world, um, it is important to go back to Jason's got great documentaries on that topic, Corbett, uh, myself and others. So there's so many angles and pieces to approach this. And, you know, the things we just mentioned, including Judy Wood, you know, go research those topics for yourself. Don't trust me. Don't trust Jason. You know, go consider with an open mind. Try not to have your mind fall out, uh, your brain fall out. But the topic is absolutely crucial to what we're dealing with now, because as we shift now to the talk with Jason's been hinting at on transhumanism, bringing together the merging of man and machine. I mean, I hate, you know, I, sometimes I hate to say it, but damn it, Alex Jones was right. He was right about this 20 years ago when he was telling people that it was a transhumanist agenda. And uh, there are other people, I think, who are finally waking up to this, but it's becoming more and more clear. And as I was saying a couple of moments ago, Jason, I've, you know, follow, I follow your work regularly on Rockfin, as everybody here should. And you have done a great job over the last year, maybe year plus, focusing on NASA, NASA's role in some of the kind of bigger picture things. Um, talked about um, Bushnell and some of the documents he's talked about. So I just want to give you the floor for a moment and allow you to elaborate on that for those who maybe are totally new. What is the transhumanist agenda? What does that actually mean? And what is NASA's role in that? Well, the transhumanist agenda is essentially one in which there's a certain class of people that think they're going to transcend this body and live forever as beings of light in which they can transcend even uh, the planet and the multiverse. Okay. That that's, that's at the end of it. That's called the singularity. Now in reality, what the transhumanist agenda is, especially right now is that, there's a certain class of people, I refer to them as the predator class. They are an extension of social Darwinists and eugenicists throughout history who I actually believe that they can achieve immortality through bio nanotech, all right, in which they'll largely still be human beings. Um, however, they won't be prone to disease. They won't really age. They'll be a fountain of youth immortal. Meanwhile, what they would like the peasant class to do is to jack in to these bio-fascist medical devices first, whether it be mRNA technology or smart drugs or implants uh, on a small level into, you know, brain-human-computer interfaces on top of you getting absorbed into a virtual world and they bring in a virtual age in which people believe they can upload their consciousness to machines. Really, it's just a mass genocide as they command and control them on the way to that agenda. 
and they take over the rest of the planet with automation and robots doing their bidding. Yep, that was it. That was in a, in a nutshell. Uh, what? How does something, you know, in your view, I think that it's probably clear to those who are paying attention and some of these bigger topics are becoming more clear, but how does something like uh, Klaus Schwab's, what he calls the fourth industrial revolution, play into this? Well, it plays into it in the fact that what they want, again, the peasant class to do is to put these devices in. So you're not only just track tracing and databasing movement through GPS or keyword software or listening in to digital communications through AI algorithms, but you're looking at what's going on inside these people, you know, uh, biologically it gives them a vast edge. It also brings in an economic system. So you can no longer buy, sell, and trade anonymously through a physical currency. And on top of that, then they can then weigh what your social and carbon credit score is based on how much it's, it's a total enslavement system. All right. So that's what the fourth industrial revolution really is. And it's been agreed upon in the military industrial complex, largely through groups like NASA. And uh, people have this facade, this illusion. It's about we're going to the moon. Oh, really? How, how did that Snoopy exploration Artemis just go? Didn't didn't go because that's again, it's imagination land. We're going to Mars. Elon Musk taking us there. The real thing is about the weaponization of space, developing technologies on behalf of the transhumanist agenda and pushing a society towards that virtual age. I just discussed it's in their uh, own documents. It's promoted by their chief scientist, Dennis Bushnell. And it is a reality uh, to the point where I, I got to ask you, Derek, I know this is going to be a weird question as we come up towards the end of this, but have you seen Nope yet? Uh, I did actually. I did see it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to be putting out a video, watch it for the first time less than 48 hours ago. And there's something that caught me about it, right? Normally I don't do a lot of Hollywood oh. stuff and I, I, I didn't even particularly love the film, right? I, I got done with it. I was like, eh. You know, it's, eh, you know, I jumped once. It wasn't that scary, blah, blah, blah. There was something that kept hitting me about it. You know, I, I kept thinking about it. And the more and more I thought about it, it reminded me a lot about how the first time that I, I watched The Shining in that there was all these other layers in The Shining that I wasn't picking up on, but I could tell something else was going on. I didn't really enjoy the movie as much as I could have, but later on it becomes one of my favorites. So there's a lot of theories out there. I, I watched a lot of theory videos. I'm going to hit you right now with the hidden meaning of nope that no one else has talked about and i'm i'm probably i'm i'm going to have to do an edited video like it's probably going to have to be like even a 20 minute documentary and the hidden meaning of nope is that what you see from nasa and space exploration is largely hollywood magic and not real it is in fact an illusion and our perception of what aliens are is also an illusion. And in fact, if you watch that film, it's, you know, you can call it a UFO movie, but at the end of the day, there's nothing out there. There's some people out there think the acronym NOPE means not of planet Earth. No, that's a natural being. There's nothing to suggest that that thing is uh, the, the villain, big spoilers here, is not of this Earth. And I know that's going to sound wild. What do you, what do, what's your take on that? And how am I going to explain it? Right, Derek? Well, I think that's interesting. For one, I, I also was not like super impressed with the film. I was excited about it because it was people were making a big deal about it. And I was like, ah, eh, it's not the best thing I've seen. It was entertaining enough, but it really didn't, you know, on the fear factor, it wasn't much. But I did find it intriguing. And I'm curious to see uh, where you go with it. I had a question, though, because of what you're saying there. I'm sure there's going to be some curious folk. As you know, the flat Earth community doesn't believe that space is real at all or anything like that. Are, is that what you're saying? Or are you just saying you don't think we've been? Do you think we've ever been to the, to the moon, first of all? So let me say this. I, I'm not a flat earther. I think that um, largely uh, what's being done in space that I do think is real is the weaponization of space. Right. But we have to also understand the weaponization of the narrative of space. Now, we could be far beyond the moon far beyond even Mars with rovers, other technology, uh, but rocket propulsion. No, 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 no. I think there are questions to be asked. And I'm not even saying that the film is trying to say that space is fake. 
what I'm saying is that the narratives that you've seen are, are all Hollywood. So I, I, a lot of people, I, I mean, the evidence, have you ever seen um, Room 237 or Kubrick's Odyssey that is based in uh, the idea that not only Kubrick faced, faked the moon landing, I'm not saying that this is true, by the way, but that his confession is The Shining, right? Sure. So Peel is- Yeah, a, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, Peel is a huge Kubrick fan. And throughout this, if you watch it, there's a lot of shots and odes to Kubrick. And the undertone in the secret room is all about space. And that's what Gordy's family is. It's a family of astronauts. Even the chimpanzee is a nod to NASA. In fact, the very first scene of the film, right, and you can't, is, is when Universal comes out. And it's a line. They're actually playing the audio from that family talking about sending uh, rockets into space and then going, nope. That's literally how it begins. And then the traditional aliens, right, end up being what? His kids. And they're wearing masks. But what are they really wearing? They're actually the chimpanzee. They're wearing the ape suits, the same things from 2001, A Space Odyssey. And then the heads are almost identical, the heads on the aliens, to the cameras that are recording uh, the Gordy scene. And they put out an entire uh, mini like intro to Gordy where it's all about space. The hidden room is all about space. And room 237 is another hidden room. There's so many nods to it, man. Uh, like I said, it's going to end up being like a 15, 20 minute documentary. I also went back and found some interviews with Peel and the cast. And uh, even the, the exit credits are, are a nod over to A Clockwork Orange and how they ended their film with the colors. So <laughs> I really believe that, you know, this guy, it's a big film with commentary on Hollywood chewing you up and spitting you out on human nature on, you know, basically what will you do to get fame and fortune? What do you want your legacy to be? Will you sell your soul for this? Uh, there, there's a lot of interesting aspects to this. Uh, but that one I think is the hidden meaning of Nope. And we're going to do a whole video on it. Very cool. I'm excited to see that. Well, before we get back to Bushnell, do you think Kubrick help, helped stage the moon landing? Man, it's so tough. I'll say this. There's no doubt. I, what I think another thing, and I'm going to put it in this, is that Peel is also revealing he, he, he had one of the actors watch 2001 A Space Odyssey when he got the role. I want to put that out there. Okay. And what I don't think people get is that our modern perception of what space actually is, because I don't believe space is actually like a vacuum throughout, right? I think that that's Johnny nonsense as well. I think space is an array of things, just looking at our own atmosphere and how now they're telling us that the moon is actually part of our own atmosphere, by the way. I think they changed that like six or seven years ago. So again, the science changes, folks. Um, our entire perception is from 2001 A Space Odyssey. And Kubrick worked hand in hand with NASA on that project. And one of the reasons he did that project was he wanted to have a close relationship with NASA so he could do a film called Barry Lyndon After and use their cameras, which had the lowest uh, aperture out there, were the best low light cameras at the time, these giant cameras, so he could shoot candlelight scenes. All right. Um, whether or not he did or not, I, I almost think is a moot point. Uh, um, I, I think it's really interesting that there was a mockumentary out there way back uh, in the day where they had Henry Kissinger in it. They had uh, Donald Rumsfeld in it. And they're all reading a script about how they faked the moon landing with Kubrick. Kubrick's wife is in it, Vivian at the time. And I remember watching that, you know, in, in my days when I was just downloading everything, watching this and going, this can't be real. I keep watching it. I'm like, Donald, because I'm, you know, I know Donald Rumsfeld's a scumbag. <laughs> and I know Henry Kissinger's a scumbag as I'm watching this thing. And I'm like, why would they ever come clean about this? And then at the very end, the gag is that like Kubrick's uh, own uh, license ended up dropping out on the set. And one of the pictures that they took had Kubrick's license in them. Like, this can't be real. And then they all start laughing and it's a laugh track, right? So they were making fun of that conspiracy theory as far back, I think, as like 99, 2000. It's been around forever. I I don't know, man, but I do find the idea that The Shining is kind of a uh, an admission is a very interesting theory. And there's certainly a lot of the NASA 
undertones. And, and the thing is that at the very least, I think that Kubrick realized that the vast majority of what NASA was actually doing and putting out in the public was Hollywood. And that's another thing that this this uh, this film is saying, right? What our, our perception of what, in other words, the whole family obviously is fake. It's in a studio. They're watching it. Even later on, they'll take something natural um, like the horse, right? The horse gets replaced by CGI, right? And they're making that transition. There's so much about this film that's pointing you in the direction of the fantasy versus the reality. Even the shoe that stands up, is that an illusion? Is that a delusion? Um, you know, it, it's is that misdirection, right? Like, there's a lot of things to be said about it. And, and I, I, I really, listen, again, I thought Get Out was okay as well. I thought it was pretty good, but he, you know that Jordan Peele has to be into some kind of conspiracy theory or history because that's all MK Ultra, right? Kubrick is one of his, you know, favorite filmmakers of all time. I think he also sees that, hey man, something is weird about that. And that's kind of his, his, his own, and, and aliens in general. Think about it. The, the ship alien ends up looking more like an angel than anything else at the end when it's, when it's out there or, you know, at, at some points it looks like a camera also. There's a lot, again, he layers a lot of these things. It, it animorphs, but there's nothing in there. And the government lies throughout. He never believes that his father's killed by a prop plane. Later on, when all those people disappear, they say it's from a flash flood. There's no water damage. Um, you know, so there's, you know, I thought it was really interesting. And I think it's also okay to go those past because those type of things pierce pop culture more than anything. And if I can make some kind of a viral video with that being the theme and it gains some traction, then people will start looking at, well, what is NASA? Are we being told the truth about aliens? Mm -hmm. There does seem to be this agenda that there are these gray, you know, big headed things. And now ancient aliens is everywhere. You notice they mentioned that UAPs is the new thing. Yeah. They rebranded it. I think, I think again, yeah. that is the, uh, that is the hidden meaning of Nope, guys. You're hearing it here first with Derek Rose and the Conscious Resistance. Cool, man. I, I appreciate it, brother. And yeah, I mean, if you can tap into that, you know, and get people who are already going to be searching for those kinds of things or interested in Nope, then I think that's a, a worthy endeavor. Well, as we wrap up here, brother, why don't we let's sort of set the the picture for the future. I mean, we're a solutions-based podcast here, but we're also living in the real world. And as I was mentioning, like, I don't think anybody has really started to bring in some of the, the work that NASA has, the role that NASA is playing in the overall agenda, you know, and I think you're right also to encourage people to stop looking at, at NASA as a space exploration agency and instead to look at it as the militarization of space. Like that's, you know, for whatever space is out there, because I also generally just, on principle, don't trust things NASA puts out. Uh, it's hard for me to look at these artists' rendering of certain planets and things and, and just fully believe. I don't know if I don't think there's any space or anything like that. I'm not ready to go there, Other but I am skeptical of them. And oh, when I started to see what you were pointing out. I... So check this out. Just check yeah. this out. This is coming out, and I'm going to get it. Apollo Remastered. Now, I think we're going to get like 800 photos, but there's 35,000 photos and basically, you know, they've souped them up in pho Photoshop, done all this processing. It's like, um, what is it? I, I forget. It's it's they have thirty five thousand photos, and they're they say breathtakingly restored. Like you said, this is Photoshop in many cases. You know, there's only so much that you can do um, with a photograph for real. So we have to, and you know, the images that they're sending back, they're taking black and white pictures, guys. That's all Photoshop in the coloring. So, yeah, I, I don't tend to trust them either. Yeah. And I think it's hard for anybody, whether you're somebody out there who trusts that they're, you know, all the planets and space and stars is what we're told or not. And you got to look at some of the pictures and be skeptical. But, yeah, as, as we look to the future and some of us are hoping to, you know, avoid the Great Reset or create something better or all these kinds of things. But honestly, man, when I start to look at what's going on with NASA and then I see people like in the so-called private sector, like Elon Musk with his Starlink and the coming Neuralink. And I saw last week, they were just dropped 53 more satellites into the, or they're claiming that they put out 53 more satellites out uh, for his project. Like these things really, I don't think that they bode well for the future pump humanity. And like you were saying earlier, it's gonna be difficult just to stay human in the coming years. Um, yeah, paint a picture here. Like, what do you see? How do you see those things merging together? Like what's Musk's role in, you know, from your research and your opinions? What's his role in the in the overall scheme? 
Musk is because you know just as much as I. Some people have fallen for him. Yeah, no, Musk is there to push transhumanism. He's there to push the carbon system. He's the the test. Listen, Tesla wasn't the first electric car, and it wasn't even the first profitable electric car. It was the first government subsidized electric vehicle that they were pushing because he's part of the military industrial complex. His uh, rockets, SpaceX, they're putting up weapon systems. They're putting up not only Starlink, by the way, Starlink's concentration is in the Ukraine. There's over 12,000 Starlinks publicly over the Ukraine. That's because they're being hooked up to drones for drone warfare against Russia, the ghost and Sidewinder uh, drones, amongst other. That is his role. He's also putting up blackjack, which are the classified weapon systems, satellites. Okay, again, NASA is a front for the weaponization of space and transhumanism technologies. They're like a DARPA type agency. Uh, when people get into black programs, often they think they're filling out a job for NASA and then they'll be placed at one of these black sites. That's how it was post-World War II via Area 51 and others. This is documented Facts. So what do we do about it? Right. You got to become as sustainable as possible. Not their version of sustainable because their version of sustainability. Right. Is the, the Musk version where you have to have a carbon credit system and global warming is a real thing. And look, I love the earth, too. And I think there's a lot of problems with what we do, especially when we're talking about genetically modifying organisms, our food supplies, what we're putting into the water and skies militarily, which is uh, exempt totally from our carbon emissions, by the way, emits way more carbon than you could ever imagine or what industrial society does, but they never even talk about that. That shows you what a scam it is. And then on top of that, can you imagine the toxins, the poisons, the uranium, all that kind of stuff that's in the ecosystem just from our military warfare and tests alone? I live outside of a place called Rock Arsenal where they decommission a lot of this stuff. You know, they do it in waterways many, many times, you know? So, those are real issues, but they want to command and control. And Musk is that guy. He's bringing in the Optimus robot, supposedly in just, I think, 25 days on September 30th. This is the humanoid looking robot. And it's not look, it doesn't look like a human because it's going to be efficient. It looks like a human because they're going to plan to replace you. So you have to have your own means of, you know, economic independence, which is going to be tough. I would say you got to navigate a lot right now. You know, you, you've got to find which area has the most states rights. I would say you have to build yourself a strong family and friends community at a level. If there is an emergency, you can depend on them that you can get together. You have to have an escape plan. Times are tough all over, guys. Things are going to get crazy. I, I'm just warning people. And I, I would say this, stay nimble, right? But at the same time, stay positive work towards goals, come at it with a positive mindset and don't allow the worst of the worst to depress you. You have to find ways to find enjoyment on top of that. I think that's really, really important because you want to be mentally strong uh, while you do these things. And, and, you know, where I derive that from is I'm trying to do the right thing the vast majority of the time. And I'm trying to put my, my time when it's in the public arena uh, towards positivity and not negative negativity. Those are probably the best pieces of advice I can give you. I appreciate that. I think that's all valuable advice. And even, you know, the part you mentioned, Jason, about, you know, if you need to uh, move and look to see if there's a region of the, the state, city, country, whatever, the world in general, that is more, uh, you know, your kind of freedom or the, your kind of people, those are things you might need to think about. And I know that's something you've done over the last couple of years. So, you know, it is, it's time to, to think re very realistically about everything we're facing. We're on the 21th anniversary of a false flag attack that an increasing amount of people know they're lied to about, even if we don't know all the pieces and all the you know exact details, we got a lot of the story. We got a lot of people who we suspect and who we can see in an ideal world would be subpoenaed and brought and questioned and those sorts of things. We have that to reflect on, but we also are still reeling from COVID-1984, and now people are recognizing how the COVID-1984 agenda is part of this larger transhumanist technocratic agenda. I mean, there's a lot to deal with, but um, it's definitely an important time to be mentally, physically prepared. So anything else you want to leave us with, brother? Any th final thoughts? No, I just encourage people to check out my documentary films, Loose Change, Final Cut, Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined fabled enemies and shade the motion picture watch them share them and again 
It's not about left or right. It's always going to be about right and wrong. You got to take command of your own reality. And I think that you do that through knowledge because it truly is power. If you have the wrong information and the wrong mindset, you're not going to fare well in the future. You have to be, again, aware and nimble. Absolutely. Stay adaptable. All right, guys, you've been listening to the Activation Podcast with Jason Burmis. Follow Jason on Rockfin and elsewhere. I'll put all his links below. And until next time, as always, remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free. Thank you for listening to the Activation Podcast, brought to you by the Conscious Resistance Network. You can find the archives of our show on Spotify, Pinecast, and at theconsciousresistance.com. Thanks for listening.